What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Colin Thompson Show. It is our bye week here in Carolina, and we have a special guest joining us today, JJ Jansen. How you doing today, buddy? Good, bud. How are you? I'm great. It's great to have you back on the show. Uh, before we get to JJ, though, I want to talk about all our sponsors here at Not For Long Media briefly. Thank you to all our friends at the original Fudge Kitchen, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. The best uh, fudge in the world. Made fresh at the Jersey Shore, the saltwater taffy. Check them out. It's the holiday season. Have to ship some people some fudge. Fudgekitchens.com. Wealth Advisory Services. If you don't know them, you should. WealthAdvisoryServices.com. Paul and their team have helped me. Buy houses, set up 401k, make the right investments, have some sort of a conversation with JJ, who's extremely smart financially. So wealthadvisoryservices.com, check them out. They do a fantastic job. Guys, Seat Geek, promo code Colin Thompson to get money off your tickets to games. Promo code Colin Thompson, C-O-L-I-N-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N if you're going to a game. Psalm Sleep, promo code Colin to get that money off that amazing psalm sleep. JJ, do you psalm sleep? Uh only the night before games. Hmm. Isn't that uh, stuff good though? So so I've I figured out now it's about a 30 to 40 minutes for me. So I actually get one right out of the cooler in our cafeteria, chug it there, and then as I slowly work my way up, um by the time I'm in bed, like I'm out. So it's great. It's great. I, I think the best thing for me is it forces me to know like that shot clock's going off. Yep. And and of course I could push through it. We could push through and stay up for an hour if you wanted to, but the shot clock's going, it's time for bed. That's, I, right. that's why I love it because I will watch another episode. I will do, I will keep going, enjoying the life of doing nothing instead of, I need to go to bed and get ready for tomorrow. Right. Uh, our final sponsor here at not for long media is our friends at me Michi, the best Italian food in the charlotte area up at the lake it is the best we got to take jj there me and michi yeah. the best italian food in the charlotte area shout out to our friends at actions over words actions over words apparel.com so we banged out all the sponsors right there we love and we're very thankful for you jj jansen comes on the show today everybody I appreciate everybody joining us live today at 10 15 eastern time it is the bye week had to have jj on jj last week ties the record in Carolina Panthers franchise history for 221 straight NFL games. Unbelievable stat. Uh, JJ, when you started your career, did you think you'd get to 20 games? How about 221? No. In fact, my very first regular season game was at home versus the Eagles. Uh, John Dornboss was the snapper. Uh, he came and had some really kind words for me at midfield. About an hour and a half before the game, all the specialists get together and we're just kind of talking at midfield, uh, which is which is very strange coming out of college where, you know, everyone stays separate. Nobody talks to anybody. And that's one of the, my favorite parts of uh, NFL game day is the six specialists all come together and we're all buddies. And then we go to our separate teams and we try to go win a game. But John came and said some really kind words, told me how much I was going to love the league. But I remember that whole week praying I could get to this to Sunday because I knew that my week one salary was eight grand. And I knew that I had a four month lease on a house that was was two grand a month. So it was eight grand. So I was like, if I play one week in the NFL and I make it and, you know, as you know, once Wednesday or Tuesday at four hits, you're on the roster for the week. I said, 
at least I'm not going to come out in the uh, red in my NFL experience. So I thought just get through the first week of my career. And that was, that was all I was hoping for. I still think that way, JJ, especially an undrafted player like yourself. I, I, you know, and again, my career's not been yours, but I keep every Jersey because I, I told myself like, that's the coolest thing to me. Like you had, like you're talking about like the camaraderie before the game. Like I've just swapped jerseys with you. Like to me, that's like the trophies I want to show my kids. Not like, Hey, we won. It's like, here are my friends. And I'm so blessed to play in this league with so many great men. Um, yeah. So I I've kept every Jersey. I mean, I, I was inactive against uh, the COVID year. I was inactive against Vegas their first year. Mm. Uh, Jason went and ran by me and I like couldn't speak. That was the first time I've been shell shocked in my career. I never thought I would be. Um, I was shocked for him. I always wanted to be like him, watch his film. So I digress. I was inactive for the game. I, I, I didn't make the roster out of training camp. I signed a couple of days later. We only had two tight ends active for that game. Chris Mannert and Ian Thomas. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, if I'm ever active, I'm keeping my jersey. And then I was active the last 15 games of the year. And then I think I was active for 13 or 14 last year. So I've kept every single one. Um, that's that's means the world to me. So there's a lot to digest here. Okay, so 221. You're tied with John Casey. We go to Seattle after the bye week. Uh, God willing, you will break that record. What does John Casey mean to you and your family? Uh, John is uh, one of the most impactful people in my life, uh, most impactful person ever in my professional career. And then on a personal level, um, John, his wife, Laura, they have four kids. They mentored us when we first got here. We had just, uh, we had been engaged, just got married uh, in 2009 when we got here. And more than the football stuff, which was, again, my whole career uh, is due to the two years of mentorship I had on the football field with him. But it's been 14 years now of doing life together. Uh, Laura and I, my Laura, we always say his Laura and my Laura, we both are married to Laura's. we've we've always we we've always said in our family like we wanted to have four kids because we saw what their family looks like with four kids and we're like that's cool that's fun um i just have a tremendous amount of respect for him not only who he was as a player but at, more importantly as a husband and a father um he's been a mentor to me in all kinds of ways spiritually emotionally Physically, we, we we compare notes every offseason and training tactics and all this stuff because the life of a specialist is a little bit different. And so uh, he's he and his family have been so important to us. So like um, next, you know, in two weeks, we go to Seattle and I'll break the record again, God willing. But like the tying of it was really the more important day for me. Like I, I'd be perfectly happy, like being done with all of this. Uh, tying it was so cool um because of who he is to me had it been somebody else i think i wouldn't have cared about tying it and wanted to break it because it's him i wanted to tie it and the and the breaking of it doesn't have nearly the same sort of emotional attachment for me well i will say this and i have one more question for you and then we'll have our first special guest come on i i please don't get hurt jj now the special <laughs> guest may doesn't want you to either but then i'd have to snap in the game and then we have a real problem uh, on our hands. Now I will go in there and I will grip it and rip it and I will put it on the money. Now, can I do it multiple times? No, I'm as good as I once was. Uh, you know, I'm good once as I ever was, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know, please don't get hurt. I really don't want to snap in Seattle next week. John used to tell me, uh, this was my first 
preseason game with the Panthers. We were in New York. I go running off. I had been hurt the year before on a punt. Uh, I, I snapped the ball, protect, go running down the field, and the punt returner jukes me, and I kind of flop around on the ground or whatever, and John's sitting there right at the sideline. He kind of He's kind of bringing, bringing me in with one finger's toes right on the line. He said, let's be very clear. You have three jobs. You are to deliver a great snap. You are to protect the punter and you are to not get hurt. And I, I said, okay. And he goes, did you hear anything about making a tackle in any of those three priorities? I said, nope. He said, your job is to stay healthy. You are the only one here. So um, I, I do my very best to, to not take any uh, unnecessary shots if I don't need to, because uh, there's always another snap to come. Yes, there is. Okay, last question for me before our special guest comes on. Uh, how is it the league? Well, the league's changing. That's a whole other conversation. We'll be here for four hours, you and I. But how has the long snapping, kicking, punting game changed, primarily how it pertains to you since you got in the league until now? Well, I think the biggest area, at least from the long snapping side, is when I first got in the league, I weighed 252 pounds, and I was one of the lightest guys in the league. Uh, the rules were set up that 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 the long snapper was basically treated like um, an offensive lineman. So you could line up over him, you could you could hurt him, you could pummel him, you could do all that stuff. There was really no difference between a long snapper and a and like an offensive center. Now that is totally different. You know, we're really heavily protected. There's no one that can line up on us. So as that has gone on, a couple things have happened. One, snappers are getting lighter. I'm 235 pounds right now, and I'm probably one of the biggest guys in the league. So I was 252 and one of the lightest. Now I'm 235 and I'm one of the biggest. And obviously with, with time, the skill level is so astronomically high. The snappers are fantastic. The holders are tremendous. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, you and I are playing with who I consider probably the next Hall of Fame punter and Johnny Hecker. And you just see what he does on a field um, with the ball, directional punting, uh, distances, all that stuff. Like, like when I got in the league, I'm punting. Nobody had ever broken the 40-yard net record. Like, that was a thing that everybody was chasing. And about the second or third year in the league – um, I think Johnny might've been the first to break it. So he might've been a first or second year guy. So maybe this was the fifth year in the league. And then Thomas Morstead, another tremendous punter to me, they're, they're the top two that I've ever seen live. Um, they broke 40. Now the entire league breaks 40. Everybody, if you don't break 40, you've either had some puns blocked or you're not going to be in the league again. Um, so the skill level just keeps going up, up and up. There's a really interesting stat that they tracked historically field goal kickers. And the number one indicator of how good the field goal kicker was, was what year did he kick in? Every single year, place kicking gets better and better and better. So, you know, nobody hit 50 yarders when I first got in the league. Like if you hit a 50 yarder, you were like, that's unbelievable. Now we got Justin Tucker, who's the best ever, attempting 67 yarders like it's no big deal. Like and let it rip, um, and and straight as an arrow, and that's twenty five kickers in the league probably can hit a ball over sixty in a game. It's just it's unbelievable the amount of talent that's on the field in the specialist world, um, and I think it makes the game a lot of fun. That's a great answer, 
and a very J.J. Jansen answer. This is a guy coming on here that knows you well, has oh. represented you, well, oh. and has worked with you for a long time now. This is Warren Schmidt from ProStar Sports, a great friend of mine, one of the best agents in the business. Warren, thanks for joining us. Colin, thanks for having me on. And J.J., it was great to listen to all that. And um, I'm going to give a shout out, obviously, to, to Paul Sheehy, our, our lead dog. Yeah. um with the agency and and john baker and um we call it the pro star family and jj and, and colin have been pro part of the pro star family for a long time and i was fortunate enough to be at jj's first game yep. um as jj said before i was kind of in the green room listening but uh jj's first year he got hurt with the packers so he had his red shirt year uh in the nfl um we were nice. hoping the Packers would just cut him at the end of the year, but they knew they had value there, even though they liked their their young guy that they kept. And they ended up trading J.J. to Carolina for a conditional draft pick. So all of a sudden, J.J. is now up not only against another long snapper, but against, hey, we need to – if we keep J.J., we're going to lose a, a draft pick. And that was probably one of the best draft picks that the Panthers ever lost for keeping <laughs> J.J. Jansen. But getting back to that first game, I was sitting there with Rick Jansen and – yeah, we're um, we're looking there, and I'm like, I go, Rick, this is his biggest snap, his first snap. This is his biggest one. If he if he's money with this, we're, we're gonna have a nice long career. And uh, 221 games later, we're still here. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. Now, do you remember anything about that day in particular, JJ? We got blasted by the Eagles. It was all. <laughs> it was like 38-10. It was ugly. We played three quarterbacks. They booed us off the field. That was the first game after the 08 playoff loss to the Cardinals, which was also ugly at home. So the fans in Carolina, we've got great fans. They did not have any patience for week one getting blasted. Uh, Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb, that was a bad, bad day. I just remember getting out of it, not having any bad snaps, staying healthy and going, Good enough for me. I, unfortunately, as we all know, like in the NFL, it's a team sport, but everyone is so hyper-focused on doing your own job that you can walk out of games just, I did my job, we lost, but I did my job, and I can rest easy at night. Like, I hate saying it that way, but that is absolutely the truth because you can only control so much. It's it's such an unbelievably cool sport in that so many different roles. I just remember walking out there going, whew, I made it. All right, on to week two. Thank God. I, I remember that very vividly. I think I, I remember that too as well. I, I, or just the fact that I can I can relate to that too. It's like I did my job. I like is that is the league where college is like we all lost, we all won. And and again, there's team camaraderie in the NFL too, <laughs> folks. Don't get me wrong. But it's so much different of I gotta do my job. I gotta do my one of eleven and move on. Warren, my last question from you here. Uh and again, really appreciate you joining us. Warren Schmidt, Paul Sheehy, John Baker, Pro Star Sports, all represent. And represented Johnny, JJ, myself, Chris Tabor, Tobe, all these great specialists in the league and players in the league. Uh, okay, so can you give us any like behind the scenes stories, Warren, from representing JJ when it comes to maybe a negotiation or how it works in the long snapper industry? Like, what can you give us, Warren? Can you give us any juice? Anything that's happened? Well, over the so it's, the great thing with JJ is there's really no bad juice around because. If you're going to be playing for 220 games, Colin and JJ both know this, the, the normal career is 3.1 years. That means three years and one game. Um, JJ's obviously lasted a long time with doing that. And that's obviously playing through injuries, you know, calling us up. And when he did have a couple of nicks and bruises, 
um, a couple, you know, dings in the head, all these different little things that JJ and Paul and I and John would have communication with to make that educated decision, what's best for JJ, and then what's best for the Carolina Panthers. But it would always be what's best for JJ first. And I think that's the biggest thing that that agents need to look at when they're representing a player. You got to take, we take the emotion out of it. And that's why you have an agent. It's an emotional business. It's highs and lows. I remember after JJ's first game, you're right. He had a big sigh of relief. This is before four kids. He actually had a couple beers with us <laughs> afterwards with some Carolina fans and Eagle fans at a bar right outside the stadium. And it was probably the best tasting beer ever. And I don't even know what it was, but it was just that big relief. Like I made it through my first game. But there's so many things with highs and lows. You know, J.J. at the beginning of his career, just being a minimum player. Then J.J. going to the Pro Bowl. J.J. going to the Super Bowl. Um, and then, I, you know, trying to make him the highest paid long snapper. And then what do we tell J.J. after we done have done the deal? Okay, after the next deal, you're going to be the second highest paid long snapper because we always want guys to beat that next number. That's so right. I think that's a, a big thing with with, with agents that, that, that they take the, uh, the emotion out of it. We've gone through it with Hecker. We've gone through it even with – bringing Tabor to Carolina um, and, you know, you see what he's done with that special teams unit and, you know, you have the buy-in Tabor will get the buy-in with, with the specialists there and this whole special teams unit. So um, we're very fortunate to, to represent good dudes who are also great players. So that, that always, that always helps the process, but there's, you know, with JJ, what I love about him is when I hear about from other players that are in that locker room about how JJ conducts himself, you can see it after that game. How many times does a long snapper get a ball? <laughs> Only when they play 221 games. Because if he if he kicks for a game winner, that game ball is going to the kicker. Absolutely. Now the kicker will say say nice things about JJ in the interview, but that's that ball's going to the kicker. Long snapper so, to go get the ball to make sure it ends up back in the kicker's hands. And that's a good that's a good long snapper. You know, like, like to get that ball back to a guy. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Now, this is going to be – I have to be very professional here because we have four people on the screen. I'm going to have to really navigate this. Okay, we just were miraculously joined Walazi. Walazi. Tabor blew off the the podcast today, by the way, gentlemen. He he said, I I got stuff going on. So, (laughs) thing, and that's a fine. Yeah. So the great Johnny Hecker, who we've been talking about on the show today, and a pro star guy, Carolina Panther, L.A. Rams, Super Bowl, St. Louis Rams. Johnny, thanks for joining the show. You guys, I'm here as a, a just a real fan of J.J. Jansen. That's why I'm here. I love Not For Long Media, and I love J.J. Jansen. You put the two together, and I'm anywhere that you, you want me to be. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. Okay, Warren, we have any Hecker stories that we could tell on the show? Uh, so I do have, I have a great hacker story. So Johnny was referred to us from another Oregon state kid, uh, Joey LaRock. He's like, Hey, can you help out? You know, our punter here, he's got really long hair. He's a great dude. <laughs> I, I, I Google him, Oregon state. I go, Joey, he's got, he's like 15th or 16th rated. He has a backward punt. It's against the wind. They have him doing all this crazy stuff. I go, but you know what? I've talked to him. He's such a great guy. I definitely want to help him out. And then what happened is, and I think Johnny knows this story, but there was a scout for the, the St. Louis Rams at the time that, and this is, this is when you know it's a good scout. He got there early for pregame and saw Johnny warm up. And Johnny's booming him, like, boom, like consistently. And I think the scout asked, 
Johnny, why don't you do that in the game? He goes, our coach wants me to do this like crazy backward, whatever, you know, so I just, I'm going to do whatever the coach tells me to do. Step check one for us about Johnny, about what type of player he is, team guy, whatever the coach wants him to do, he's going to do. So we start representing him. He gets a workout with uh, Bones, John Fossil uh, down in, in the Rams. Lights out. They, they, they go uh, and they should have they should have drafted him because by not drafting him, um, they we made him a millionaire after year two. But <laughs> they, they didn't even have. So uh, I'm going to give JJ a, a, a trivia question. What rookie specialist would come in with no competition? Well, I know Johnny didn't have competition. Johnny. Exactly. Johnny had no competition as a rookie through many camps. They didn't even bring in another veteran to, to challenge him. That's how good Johnny Hecker is and has been is. throughout his career. And he's an even better person than he is a punter. Oh, as you guys know. You guys, thank you. I appreciate the kind words, but really, I'm just here for JJ. Uh, Let me ask you. So, so when Johnny, before he was – uh, went through the draft process. He came out to Arizona, and I've been like, probably wherever that was, three or four years. John Baker was out. There was a whole bunch of guys. I remember snapping. There's a couple snappers, a bunch of punters and kickers. What stood out to me about Johnny was he was the only one that wanted to hold to work on holding beyond like anything a kicker needed. But then he wanted to get holds for right footers and left footers obviously not knowing where he'd end up going, which I was always impressed with because throughout my career, I had snapped to both righties and lefties. Like that had, it seemed like every two years I was flipping back and forth. So I was like very aware. I was like, that's, that's pretty smart. You want to work on left-handed holds too. So I, his attention to detail was high from the beginning. Um, and that's, that's obviously what bones and, and uh, all those guys in St. Louis, Johnny's played in like so many different cities, but he hasn't really changed teams a whole lot. He, he's like four or five stadiums in. He's only played for two teams. It's a fun fact that one of our companions had no no chance of answering Eddie Pinheiro. But um, <laughs> and I, I will go back to the same Arizona story because that was the first time I met JJ Jansen, and I met him and we're sitting and we're talking. I think we went to Oregano's. We went I'll to, be go, to go get some uh, some food after the workout. I was starving. And uh, it comes up, you know, JJ left. JJ left as a junior to go snap in the NFL. Declared early. I was like, that is bold. <laughs> uh, this guy's super good. And he also, and then JJ picked up the tab for our meal. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, that's so, that's so awesome. And uh, that's something that's always stuck in the back of my mind. And I didn't only have a workout with with the Rams. My only private workout that I had coming out was with the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Right, I forgot oh, you. Lousy. And I, I punted even better for that workout than I did for my pro day. And uh, the guy was an old Wisconsin guy, went and drafted another Wisconsin guy. Water into the bridge at this point, but it's always <laughs> been a chip on my shoulder, so I'm glad to come back to Carolina and exact my revenge. The, the coolest part about the NFL is there is so much that comes down to, like, divine providence being in the right spot at the right time. Mm -hmm. I mean, your talent is – second to none but you being paired with bones yeah. was the perfect fit for your talent what he wanted to do mm -hmm. fisher and how aggressive on special teams like that it, you coming here would have been a blast for me but you going there was the 
where it was the perfect spot for you. Yeah. I'm glad I'm here now. That's for sure. <laughs> Me too. Well, Warren, appreciate you coming on. Thanks We're for having me gonna... on with two, two, two class guys and, and you're, you're one of the classes too, Colin. So, okay. Thank you. I was going to, I was going to figure out how you're going to spin that at saying good <laughs> thing about me too. <laughs> yeah. You're the man. Hey, hey Colin, so we'll have to get you out to, for, uh, we're going to try to bring that back. We, we kind of stopped doing it with the COVID, but that was our pro star, um, kind of workout for young guys to meet older guy older players that have been in the league. And it's, it's really great for the young guys to see what they need to do. Um, and the older guys to teach kind of the wisdom. And you notice with every every game, specialists are a little different. They get out there early. That all, all three guys will get out there early in a game. They always talk to the other team. That, so they, they kind of have a, a bond, just like the special teams coaches have that bond. Um, but we'll have to get you out there since I know you're, you're snapping and you're learning from one of the best for be that emergency snapper, Colin. JJ is fantastic. He tells me to move this, move that. Boom, it's on the money. So. Warren, hey, you guys enjoy your bye week, man. Thanks Good for having cool. me on, Colin. Thanks, Appreciate Warren. you, man. Have See a great one. All right, Johnny. A couple surprises for you, JJ. Warren, Woo! boom. You got JJ. Oh, uh, you got you got Johnny. Excuse me, oh, Jimmy. Oh, no. Jimmy. 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 Uh, he also called. What did he call me? He called me. Um, he played Tim once. No, he called me uh, Tommy. This huh. is Chris Tabor, by the way. We're talking about the special teams coordinator. <laughs> Tabe's going to listen to this. Tabe's may listen to us. He may not. Uh, I hope he doesn't. Foomp. And, and you know, he's not invited back on the show again. He blew us off. So, have a day. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, got the two best players in their position in the NFL on my show. I'm very excited about that. Uh, but Hecker's coming on this show today. Not to talk about himself, but to talk about the great J.J. Jansen. Tying the record. 221 games. Mm-hmm. When we go to Seattle, God willing, JJ's going to break the record. Johnny? Yes. Uh, your thoughts on the great JJ Jansen? A lot of people can't see this, but in the in the little sidebar, you you get to you get to put out what you want your display name to be in the uh on the on the whole deal, webcam deal and it says I love JJ. Just so you know that. Um <laughs> So you could have it say your name, but mine just says I love JJ. Um <laughs> But yeah, really, I just think, uh, you know, I've, I've said it to him and I've, I've said it to some people who have asked, but just the accomplishment of being the the team's all-time, um, like, longest tenured player most games ever played is such an accomplishment. And you don't you don't earn that if you're not a great dude, a guy that's trustworthy, dependable. Hi, my, my daughter's trying to break in here. It's okay. Um but he's JJ's just been a guy that's he's given you everything he has. You know, he doesn't hold back information, um, a helpful tip, um, you know, uh, a bit of advice that will, you know, help a rookie progress to being a Wiley vet sooner. He's just a guy that, um, you know, sticks to his guns, loves his family, loves the Lord and is who he is. He's unapologetically him. And that's, um, that's, that's how you, you last as long as you do in the league. And, and it's been, God opening doors and closing doors that has kept him with the team. And um, I think it's for a great purpose and a reason. So um, he's meant a lot to us. And he's a big reason why my wife and I uh, made the decision to come to Charlotte. And so, um, you know, we're happy to to be here experiencing this kind of alongside with him. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. That's awesome stuff. Johnny, on a football perspective, like if you could deep dive into it a little bit, what makes JJ so good? JJ's... What makes JJ good is his consistency. 
um, you know, not only with his snaps, but with protection and just his attention to detail. He watches, watches film. He helps break down rush plans of other teams and, and, you know, talks to the PP communicates at a really high level. Um, his snaps are, his snaps are incredible, but I mean, that's only half of the job. You have to be able to protect and you have to get out and cover and, and be an asset in coverage. And that's something that, you know, as crazy as it is to, to say, it's something he's probably doing at maybe his highest level he has in a long time. He's running fast. He's getting down there. He had three tackles in the preseason. I want to say he has an absolute unit and, uh, you know, he's, he's just doing a good job of taking care of his body, um, you know, doing the right things uh, and, and helping, you know, be an asset to the team. You can't, can't play all these games if you're not healthy and you're not dependable. And um, JJ Jansen's also built like a, a Ford truck. So <laughs> just throw some gas in there and he'll go, baby. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And, and, and Johnny, uh, last thing for me here, what's that behind you? Is that a Super Bowl trophy? Have you, you heard that? Oh, you, whoa, that's crazy. How'd that get there? Did you win thing? He won. Weird. That's a fine. You won <laughs> yeah, a Super Bowl. Okay, John. I'm not gonna be like the cliche that you turned it away. Oh, we got some we got some bourbon up there. That's also that's some good stuff. What type All of right. bourbon you got? What type of bourbon you got? I got some uh, Jefferson's Ocean. JJ actually put me onto that. So oh. that's the reason why I love JJ Jansen. Is that uh, the best, JJ? Tell oh, me about it. That's my favorite. Jefferson's oh. fantastic. What you get him to be a title sponsor of the podcast, I would be on every single episode. That's okay, right. so uh, yeah, you guys do enjoy a little brown water. Uh, can we can we give like a top three or four from each guy? What do you guys like? JJ, you want to go first? I'm mine'll probably just be exactly what yours is. <laughs> so my my fifth Jefferson's Ocean. Uh, I'm a bit oh, oh you say you say we love JJ? Yeah, JJ. Oh JJ's the best. How are you? Woohoo! See Mr. JJ. Mr. JJ's right there. That's Tompy. You say hi, Tompy. Hi, Tompy. Oh, man. <laughs> You're right. coming to you live with Johnny's daughter. You gotta go, my mind. I'll, I'll be out in one minute, okay? One minute. Wow. That's, that's, All right, that's, we'll be out there in one minute. She's just really big fan of JJ. She doesn't want to get off the screen. Wow. So we're going to let Johnny go in a second here, but I'm yes. going to go first, JJ, and then we'll go Johnny. All so, right. Jefferson's Ocean, number one for me. Big fan of Knob Creek, which is probably my second favorite. Laura really likes, my wife likes the smoked, uh, like like a maple, like it's a little sweeter. So, that's favorite. Uh, our go-to, like, celebration. So, on Sunday night after I tied the record, we broke out a bottle of Blanton's that we have that I got gifted like two years ago. So, I don't, everyone says Everyone loves Blanton's. For me, I like Jefferson's Ocean the best, but there is something kind of neat about you having like a bottle that's purely like celebratory. So like over the course of the last two years, we've maybe got that out like three times. So that's pretty cool. So that, those would probably be my my top three. Um, what do you got, John? Well, I, I was at JJ's house for Thanksgiving and I saw the bottle of Blanton's. I almost had a sip, but then I it, – it was on the lower end of the bottle. And I was like, you know what? That's that's a too nice of a thing for me to get into. I also love Lantons. Jefferson's Ocean, I've been put on recently. Huge fan of that stuff. Um, if you can get your hands on anything by Pappy, you gotta you gotta esteem that. Um, and then just overall overall good hitter. This is not really like a 
really bourbon. It's more of a Canadian whiskey. But I'm, I love uh, Crown Apple. <laughs> <laughs> kind of got a Washington flavor to it there, huh? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. In case you didn't know, I'm from Seattle. Wow. That's good stuff. Future Hall of Famer, Johnny Hecker. Love you, JJ. You're the man, buddy. Congratulations. Big, big week ahead for Johnny. He's going to get fined for being another hometown hero going back yes. to Seattle. Right. For 10 bucks. JJ, JJ, you got like $10,000 in fines at the game. You had a in-game, in-game promo video, and you got hero of the game. I was hero of the game. <laughs> and the owner, owner broke it down and, and shouted him out. That's another fine. We, we went... I'll say this, whatever the cap was that we put on fines for a week, because Johnny got the same treatment when we went back to L.A. as a visiting player. So whatever the whatever the upper limit of weekly fines is, I'll take that. Whatever we we set it for Johnny. Um, I'll tell you, one of the most stressful snaps I've ever had is we were on the field to get ready to punt when they played like a minute and a half long (laughs) the huddle. And, and the guys were just giving me, I mean, a heck of a time in the huddle, giving me a heart. And I just kept remembering, I've got to be really good on this snap because now everybody in the stadium knows exactly who I am. I, <laughs> one, I cannot mess up. Uh, I was so nervous. I hate those. It Was it the two-minute warning? It was a two-minute warning that we had to go out. It was a two-minute warning, so they had the long, like, two-and-a-half-minute, like, TV break. So it, it was perfect. Uh for them to show like a long long video and we were out on the field and we didn't even get that i couldn't even hide like i was yeah. just head down pretending i didn't even know what was going on but like chuba was giving me uh, everyone was giving you a ding i was getting i mean whatever the yeah. max i hit the max well early into the day so awesome you guys you, on. love you boys love see you later you. enjoy hey, bye wow the great johnny hacker he's the best Warren, surprise. Even Warren was all Johnny was like, oh, <laughs> it surprised everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great. It was great. Uh, okay. As we wrap things up here, I have some fun, kind of some fun offbeat questions here that I think are really cool. JJ is very well-spoken, very well-thought, right? For those listening at home, it's no shocker, but JJ and I have great conversations in the sauna. We were right across each other in the locker room. I, I, I Greg Olson came and went, and and the next uh, Hall of Fame tight end, Colin Thompson. No, I'm kidding. And the next bench warming tight end came right in behind Greg and got in his locker, so right across from JJ. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've had some great conversations over the years. So wh- I'd like you to talk a little bit about the head coaches you've played for, sure. because there's a lot of really good ones, yep. uh, a lot of really good men. Uh, who are the head coaches you played for in your career? Green Bay, you're there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then maybe a, a word or two about what they did best or what you enjoyed. So I'll go, I'll even go back to the beginning of college. Cause it, you know, there's a lot of coaches are obviously so impactful for players. So my first head coach in college was Tyrone Willingham, just an unbelievable man, uh, an incredible gentleman. Um, he was so kind to me. I was a walk on long snapper. Um, so pretty low on the totem pole, not playing walk on long snapper, very, very low on the totem pole. <laughs> to me i remember he got fired at the end of the season and he stayed for like a week in south bend like in in his office like meeting with parents and every you know players everyone that he had had like end of season meetings scheduled with and he stayed and 
I mean, he took a meeting with me and my dad. Just It was just sort of a wrap-up. There was nothing special, but um, and I couldn't do anything for him at that point, and yet he was just such an incredible gentleman. Um, after he got uh, let go, we hired Charlie Weiss. Charlie had been the offensive coordinator for the Patriots in the, their first three Super Bowls, played or had coached for Parcells, uh, had been a part of a couple of the uh, New York Giants Super Bowls back in the 80s as like a tight ends coach, kind of a look as he was making his way through coaching. One of the most impressive things about him, I mean, he's got all the Belichickian sarcasm and he had an incredibly foul mouth. I, I, I didn't know some of those words could be used in that parts of speech. Like that was a very like, I was, I, I was learning a lot about Jersey as, as Weiss was going off. Um, but he was an incredible, he was so good uh, technically in terms of scheme and knowing how to break teams down. He, great with X's and O's. And I just always thought it was fantastic watching him. Uh, he just really defended the players. No player ever got thrown under the bus, like in a media situation. Like Now, he'd yell at us behind closed doors, but really protected us really well. And you see that in New England, right? Like Belichick, I mean, you hear the stories from behind closed doors, like he's ripping them, but you turn on the TV and he's doesn't say a bad thing about anyone. It's sort of the old Warren Buffett, like uh, uh, praise privately and critique generally. Like that's how he handles the media. And Weiss did that for us. When I um, got in the NFL, my first year in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy was our head coach. You know, because of how that season went for me, I didn't get a ton of interaction with him. He was a really, really kind man. I still talk to him. You know, we, we played Dallas last year. We got to talk to him just real briefly. Um, I, nothing real notable happened in that year, but but the whole organization up in Green Bay, which was run by Ted Thompson, John Schneider's now the, I mean, that that place, Green Bay, was a front office like juggernaut. Ted Thompson, uh, John Schneider, Reggie McKenzie, John Dorsey, Elliot Wolf. I mean, GMs and directors of pro personnel all across the NFL were in there back then. And the coaching staff, you know, Ben McAdoo was our tight ends coach. Now, now our OC here. James Campen was the, I think he was the assistant offensive line coach at the time, but a real, like the coaching staff was incredible. The front office was incredible. Can you talk about Green Bay though a little bit before we move on? Okay. Because yeah. That place is so, so unique. I, I, we played there in the COVID year. I didn't get to really experience it, but it's a walk. It's a museum. It is a must yeah. go. The fans, the interaction, the open door policy that fans have for other fans. Uh, no one owns the team really other than yeah. the city. Right. It has a whole like my buddy was there. He's like, bro, everything gets Brian Winslow. He's like, everything gets reinvested back into the building. It's very oh, yeah. unique. Talk about that. Well, you, you've hit on some of it. It, it. It's a it's a one of a kind organization. Um, everybody that's there has largely been kind of lifers like in the organization. I mean, they've they've been raised up through it. There's a there's very much like a Packers way of doing things. It's obviously incredibly well connected. Uh, to the city. There is no owner. So all the money that they make, and they make a ton, it's all getting kind of reinvested back into the organization, either through charitable ventures or practice facility or stadium upgrades. You know, it's a small town with an NFL franchise in it. So they do a lot to support that town. Um, and obviously the, the fans and the town supports it really well. It's a really cool uh, environment there. Just it's it's a fantastic organization. Obviously buoyed by two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for thirty. I guess what we're coming up on about thirty five years now, and um, 
it's just a really special place. You know, I always laugh. It's in in for 10 months out of the year, the the colors in Green Bay are green and yellow. But come December and January, the team colors are bright orange because everyone shows up to the game in their hunting gear. Because that's the only stuff that'll keep them warm is all that stuff. So, you know, we go play there in late December and half the stadium is orange. And you're just like, what's going on? Well, they're all in their hunting gear because that's just how that town operates. Um, one of my best friends still kicking for them, Mason Crosby. Uh, he's been there forever. Um, they really treat the people that have been through that organization really well. And when I go back, there's so many people that still, I mean, this was 15 years ago. I go back, there's still people that know me and I'm treated with the utmost uh, respect just because I, I played there for one year. If anyone ever gets the opportunity to see the little seven or eight minute documentary they did with our offensive line coach, James Campen and Aaron Rodgers, coach Campen played for the Packers, coach for the Packers. And it's, it's the same thing. Like, he has such incredible reverence for that place and that and that city and that team still honor him. Even at the time he was with the Texans, even as a visitor, like it's a really cool um, it. It's as close to college football in, in the pros as any place, um, you know, fourth quarter, they're singing roll out the barrel and you, you, you can't help but feel like you're like, as a road player, like I'm like kind of singing the songs along with, with the fans. Cause you just, they get ingrained into your, into your soul, even in a short period of time. Yeah. It's a tremendous place. I appreciate, you know, diving into it a little bit. I remember coming out of the tunnel and you can't even walk shoulder to shoulder. The tunnel's so skinny. That's my favorite picture yep. of us running out to the field. They got a picture from behind us. You can see a little bit of the field, but you just got everyone kind of crammed in there. It's a great shot. Okay. Then you get traded to Carolina, ripped through the coaches for us in Carolina and share some good words about them. Don Fox, Foxy, he was the ultimate, I, he was the mayor of Charlotte. Uh, he just had a, he had a really cool uh, style about him. All of my favorite like NFL coaches sayings come from him. Uh, it is what it is. Punt's not a bad play. Uh, the other team practices too. My all time favorite was, I was maybe a first or second year here. It would have been the, one of those two years. And he was trying to talk about how simple football is at its core. And he he stand up in front of the whole team and goes, guys, football is easy. It's just PE majors coaching PE majors. And I looked around. And I was kind of like, and everyone's kind of like nodding their head like, yep, that's all this is. Uh, he just had a way of kind of boiling it down to its simplest form. Foxy's the best. He would come into our room all the time, the specialist room, and he would just hold court for like 15, 20 minutes. Nobody else could get a word in. And then he just kind of knock on the door and say, all right, guys, get back to work. It's like, we, we, that was just his way and style of doing things. In fact, our uh, special teams coach, my second year, Jeff Rogers, who's now the special teams coach with the Cardinals used to have John Casey go and talk to John Fox during special teams because Foxy would get so bored with special teams. It wasn't enough action for him. He had to distract Foxy with a conversation so that he wouldn't blow the whistle to move on to the next period. Like he just tons of energy wanted to bounce around. So Foxy was a special, special man to me. Um, followed that by nine years with Ron Rivera. Uh, Coach Rivera's, you know, one of the very best. Um, he's a really special man. We had a great coaching staff. Um, Ron was just, you know, he played for nine years. He coached for so long. One of the cool parts about that team and that group was, uh, he was not 
he his leadership style was not one where he had to get all the attention. He had to, his way or the highway. Like we had an unbelievable coaching staff: uh, Sean McDermott, Steve Wilkes, uh, Mike Shula, John Matsko. Uh, kind of made up the core of that staff for a long time, uh, and he really disseminated a lot of power to the coaching staff. And then the veterans, you know, it was, it was Luke Keekley and Ryan Khalil and Jordan Gross and Thomas Davis and Julius Peppers. You had all these guys. And so he really, he really kind of unleashed the power of the locker room and the coaching staff amongst all the players. That was really special. Kind of see his leadership style. You know, Coach Rule, you've known Coach for probably close to a decade now. One of the things that I really appreciated about him and his coaching style was how he would really bring a lot of things back to personal life you know talk he, i felt like he was always trying to coach the person as well as the player uh the power of uh perseverance and you know getting you know we we always say one percent better just constant improvement um really digging into all the things that can really allow you to grow as a man and grow as a person in whatever venture you have and he used football as the way to sort of coach the individual which i think is really special and then and you know, right now we're you know with Steve Wilkes. I've known you know I've known Steve since he was Coach Wilkes when I was 18 years old. It was 2004 at Notre Dame. Uh, I've, he's the same guy today that he was in 2004. Um, he's he's kind. He's intimidating. He's serious. He looks straight out of a Denzel Washington movie. His manner is it's it's all it's it's the he's the exact same guy 18 years ago. Um, and he's just a special person because as you've as you've now seen uh, here with him being kind of at the front of the room for the last two months, he's just he's so focused. He's so uh, on top of things. He leads uh, he leads men really well, and he's just he's a great man. comes comes from a great family. His wife Marcy, like they've they've been such an impactful people in our lives for two decades. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that come full circle. Um, so I've played for a lot of great head coach, position coaches. It's one of the true blessings of uh, a long career as you get to meet so many of these people. Awesome stuff. Uh, appreciate you coming on, JJ, as always. Some fantastic, awesome banter, some great guests, and really just, I think, the world of you as a, as a leader, as a player, as a mentor. Uh, we become friends. You've joined our show a bunch. I can't thank you enough. Last one for me. The big question, how much longer are you going to do this thing? Whew, I, I would really like to play for four or five more years. Um, so we talked about at the beginning of the show. I've kind of taken it game by game, year by year, my entire career. and I, Nothing has changed. As you get a little bit further on, I think you have to start making some decisions about how you want to approach each year in order to accomplish your goals. When I was 23, I was like, I just want to survive a game. I just want to play one more year. You're 36. It's like, okay, I've got to really plan out how I'm going to take care of my body, how I'm going to transform to squeeze everything else out because nobody's going to give me credit for, well, he's 36, so he doesn't have to be as good. Like no one's going to give you that, that leeway in the NFL. So you've got to find ways to, to keep squeezing more and more out. And that becomes kind of fun to, to learn more about the game. Um, so, so this year, the last couple of years has really kind of rejuvenated the love of learning for me. And so to be able to say, hey, how do I how do I get to where I want to be at 40 is become the new sort of passion in terms of learning and growing as a football player. And so I'd like, you know, I'd like to play four or five more years. 
somebody suggested I could maybe do it for 10 more. And I, I said, once you get past 40, you sort of have to hand the baton off to your wife and, and she gets uh, a much larger say in uh, all the decision-making when it comes to your career. Once you're, once you're past 40 and all the kids are in school, like at that point we're, we're talking a little bit, uh, it, it's, it's even more of a group effort than it already is. And it's a, my wife has been an incredible uh, uh, companion in all of this. I mean, we make every decision together. Um, and so, you know, 15 years, you can't do it without a tremendous amount of support and teamwork. Um, she's helped me with every contract negotiation, every decision. And, um, you know, so, sometimes it's like, I can't make this decision. I need you to to do it. And she's always willing to step in that gap when that stuff's come up too. So. Uh, it's it's a team journey, and there's six of us on this path, and it with with the kids and and Laura, it's it's been a really special journey. That's awesome. I know your family's heavily involved in everything you do. What a great uh, you know sounding board. I'm sure your wife is. My wife is. It is a team thing uh, to do what we do. There's a lot of sacrificing that a lot of you know people don't see from the outside, and always people always say that people don't understand. I, I don't. I don't have beef with that. It's all good. Like, it's okay. Yeah. This is our job. People, I don't understand what other people do for their job either and their struggle, but I know this struggle is a lot on significant others, especially for undrafted guys, especially for, you know, you have some solidarity now. You still live day to day. I remember, what was it one year? You're like, okay, we're finally going to buy a house now. When was that? Probably, I think it was like year five or six. So five years into your job, folks, imagine moving somewhere and saying, okay, we're not going to buy a house for five. I could play here for five or six years. I could work for six years here. We're not going to even rent or buy. We're just going to do short-term leases week to week, month to month, most of the time. That's how I've done it Yep. Uh, for six years. And then I'm going to move into a house. This is not a normal gig. Yeah. It, it, this, this is a little bit different. It's uh, there's guys, there's guys on our team, like stalwarts on our team that live in a hotel. Cause they know they're one game away from being, uh on the street again so it 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 is it is not for uh, the faint of heart but you'd certainly learn and get trained up really well by veterans in the locker room i certainly was and i hope to kind of pass that along because it, it, i mean it's a fun profession this is it's a blast it's just it, there's a lot of highs and lows and we're all trying to we're all trying to win a super bowl but we're all also trying to get to the off season because the off season is the best part of the season <laughs> I have no comment on that, JJ. I have no, <laughs> no, we're all trying to get to year three yep. to be credited. Yep. Get, year three. Year three to get the pension and then to the off season. The, the, uh, yeah, there's all these little milestones along the way. It's a game. It's three games. It's one year. It's three years. It's fine. You know, you find all these little ways to kind of find the game inside the game to keep you motivated. Um, That's great stuff. Uh, 222 games coming to you soon. The great JJ Jansen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Colin. Skip back to the day. I try not to lose my way. Details are kind of fuzzy, but the feeling still remains. We met, we talked, I still do know you are. Now discombobulated and I don't know what to say. Ooh, maybe, baby. chance to tell